Welcome to the Grazing Grass Podcast, episode 25. Start small and just um, just have the animals that you have the land for. Welcome to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. I'm Cal Hardidge, your host. On today's episode, we have Rennell Visor of Zabula Heritage Farm. They milk Jersey cows and use a hair and use a herd share program or a cow share program to sell uh, milk to their customers. In addition to the Jersey cows, they also have a beef herd and a few sheep. Uh, you'll notice throughout the interview there's some background noise on there. She recorded this episode in her milk barn and I believe the noise is the compressor on her milk tank. I could be wrong about the source of the noise, but it is there, and it's because she is recording in the milk barn. Ronell, we want to welcome you to the Grazing Grass Podcast. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your operation? Well, I guess we're just like um, what would be considered a small farm, uh, maybe even micro-dairy style. Basically, since childhood, I we've been around cows. I mean, I had baby calves and stuff growing up so we were hobby farmers or homesteaders I guess growing up but um, in more recent years um, we uh, I started um, a hard share with some Jersey cows and uh, just gradually you know adding a little bit to the size of the herd from you know one or two cows that I started out with and uh, we um, you know started uh, I guess you know providing milk for some people locally and keeping the cows in the pasture and then learning how to manage the pastures and to get the most out of it because where we used to live we didn't have much land so we had to you know work it right so that we can keep it keep it in best shape with possible uh, about a year ago we moved to a different farm um, just 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 mile down the road so uh, we basically have access to more land that we can use now so we've definitely um, it was very overgrazed in the past, um, but we are working on rehabilitating it, and it's been it's been a learning process, definitely. Very nice. Where are you located? Uh, northeast Tennessee. What kind of rainfall and climate do you have in northeast Tennessee? Well, I guess I always tell people it's about as close as you can get to having four distinct seasons. I mean, we have plenty of rain, probably 48 inches a year, and snow we don't get that much snow maybe 10 inches a year I guess yeah for four distinct distinct seasons and um, I mean growing season can be warm and you know lots of grass and then it can be dry sometimes and then winter we have a real winter spring and fall are just really nice so it's um yeah definitely pretty balanced I would consider it oh yes for your, your land there what kind of forages do you have uh, mostly, um, I guess the, the natural occurring grasses in the pastures growing here uh, would be fescue and orchard grass, uh, lots of clover, mostly white and red clover. So I guess cool season grasses and um, uh, we seeded in some when we, you know, moved here last year. Um, the pastures, like I said, had been very overgrazed for a lot of years. So we uh, reseeded and we're trying to get rid of some buttercups and 
uh, I guess, drilled in a lot of seed. And it, it has already amazed, amazing how much better it's coming back this year than it did last spring. So it's, um, it's making, it's making a, a big difference just from reseeding it and letting it get some good rest. That's really made a big difference. It does make a difference. What did you seed with or reseed with? Um, mostly fescue on, I mean, we have both the Jersey herd and then we have beef cows too, which beef cows are further down the road oh, okay. since they don't need to be close by for milking. <laughs> but um, yes. in the beef herds, mostly fescue, um, since that's what mostly grows here. I and mean, we try to avoid the um, endophyte toxicity or whatever. Fescue is not the ideal grass, um, in my opinion. But it is a very hardy grass, and it, it's what naturally grows here. So we try to accommodate it. And I think mostly since it already grows in most of the pastures, um, basically what's in, what helps a lot is the fact that we have a lot of clover. I think the pastures would oh, be yes. a lot less um, quality if it was only fescue. But um, I, did, I did seed in a lot of orchard, too, for the dairy cows. So the main difference with your dairy herd, you've tried to get more orchard grass in there? Yes, I guess they're more picky. <laughs> <laughs> dairy cows, you know, have a mind of what they like to eat and what they don't. And uh, um, just the quality of it, you know, they, um, I mean, rare, rarely, we rarely have problems with fescue. I mean, I know that it can have, like I said, issues with the endophytes, but um, we've never actually had a problem with the beef cows. And even with the dairy cows, they seem fine. You know, um, maybe when I bought a new cow and brought her home initially, she struggled a little while to adapt, but the ones born here, they seem to do fine, and as long as there's plenty of clover to like balance it out, they they do they do great. I mean, they, they just enjoy the pastures, so that's that's fine. Even though I do like orchard, it's not as hardy. For your dairy cows, how are you grazing them on your grass? Um, we try to do rotational grazing. Okay. At our previous place, um, we had several paddocks, like seven or eight paddocks, um, that we would you know move them around according to. You know, um, I guess, you know, you don't want to overgraze. That's the main thing. Um, at the new land, then the main problem where we live is um, we have a creek coming down through this valley. It's not a problem, I guess. It's, it's nice to have a creek, but uh, it will flood at least once every season. So any fences that you put down will get flooded away <laughs> it's oh, just yes. part of it so we don't um i mean i i put i put up some you know like single strand barbed wire that i electric you know just put electric for any paddocks inside that way the uh perimeter fence outside is a, is a nice barbed wire you know standard barbed wire fence um but for the paddocks inside we just do single strand barbed wire that we elect put a fence charger on that for um you know if we have a flood it's not that much damage and it's not that hard to repair Oh, yes. And do you rotate your cows to new paddock each milking or each day? Um, not at this point every day. I mean, ideally, I'd like to do that, but um, that would be a lot of paddocks. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so, so we're, since, um, I mean, like I said, we just moved to this farm last year. So at this point, we have a few pastures, but it's not enough that I can move them every day. Um, it's a lot. It's about three times the pasture or the, three times the acreage that I had at the old place. So it's really um, a lot for the few cows that I have, which is nice because um, I don't have to worry about overgrazing as much as I used to worry about it. I mean, oh, yes. there's, you know, the grass at this point now with it starting to grow, it'll literally grow past the cows. They will, they will be like, you know, half the body in tall grass within a month. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I have a question about milking. 
that I didn't know I needed to ask, but we had a dairy on a few weeks ago on the podcast, and they milk one time a day. How many times a day do you milk? Well, I know that's a subject of controversy, but I do milk once a day. Um, oh, yes. For the past three years. Um, yes, for a lot of years I did milk twice a day, um, but it got to the point where, um, uh, I mean, if you want to have a life, <laughs> and I have family and kids, you know, um, I just decided, I was did a lot of research, you know, read about reading or milking once a day and, you know, try to find out if it's worth a try. Um, I mean, in, in New Zealand, a lot of dairies milk once a day and, you know, a lot of people um, seem to do it, you know, small farms seem to do it here too. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. Um, I was, I mean, I was scared at first, but um, all together, it is great. I am never going back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did lose some production, maybe 25, 30% um, production. But, um, you know, just having the freedom of only milking once a day it is totally worth it. I would rather milk an extra couple cows once a day and then not have to milk everybody twice a day. <laughs> having grown up on a dairy, I completely understand that. Um, we milked twice a day and it didn't matter what was going on at 4.30, we were in the barn, a.m. or p.m. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, and I, like I said, I was worried at first, you know, that, would, that it would affect somatic cell levels or, you know, like production or mastitis. But, um, I, like I said, production is less, but I have not had any more cases of mastitis than, you know, it, it was on twice a day. I will add that I don't think all cows are uh, a candidate for once a day milking. I, I had to, like, call a couple here and there. Um, you know, they for ones that were just low produ- producers to begin with, they were really low producers on once oh, a day yes. milking, and uh, and they need you know I, I need to focus on really good udder attachments. Um, otherwise, you know, they're holding twenty four hours of milk in them. So during the growing season, when they're higher production, it can be you know it can be um, a lot of milk, and if they don't have a good udder to hold it, they, the udder will you know it'll be uncomfortable for them. That's fascinating about uh, once a day milking. Having grown up on a dairy and doing two times milking, the discussion was always, do we add a third milking? Not going the other way. And then I've been away from dairying for a number of years, so to hear about once a day milking, it does make me want to get a few milk cows, and my wife says no. (laughs) Right. Well, like I said, they still own you. You have to be out here milking. Now, I will add that um, I do a lot of times if I have heifers, I will keep them on the cows and then continue to milk once a day. But even the ones that do not have calves on them, Milking them off right off the start once a day, they will not peak nearly as high as they would have on twice oh, a day. Oh, yes. Um, but it's definitely freeing <laughs> compared to twice a day. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. So, like I said, it's, it's, been, it's been great. And I, I'm happy with, you know, with the cows that I have and how they, the, the, you know, they're adapting. And we breed selectively for, you know, good udders and healthy traits and such. So, I, I think we're... we're um, I've also brought in some New Zealand genetics um, since New Zealand dairying. A lot of times they do milk once a day on a grass-based program there. So I'm going to be breeding the first New Zealand heifer this year, and we'll, we'll, I'm, I'm excited to see how it works. Very good. I don't know if you said it before. Um, what breed of milk cows do you have? We have jerseys. We have a herd of registered jerseys. And do they give the A2 milk? Uh, yes, yes. All our cows are tested, and we um, 
they're all A2. I was like one cow left over that wasn't she. I used mostly as a nurse cow. She's an old cow now, so essentially retired. Oh, yes. But I got her daughters and granddaughters, and <laughs> they all have been tested A2, and we breed only for A2. I mean, I don't personally notice difference in the milk, but having a herd share, it's important to some people, and it definitely adds to the quality or the value of the calves. So we breed only A2. Oh, yes. I, I hear a lot of things about A2. I don't know that I've ever noticed the difference, but A2 is definitely right. the trendy thing. Right. I mean, like I said, I don't personally notice a difference for me or anybody in my family. But I know I was like, like I said, I got lucky in the sense that all the cows I had or even the ones born to non-A2 cows have tested A2. So it was like, why not go for it? <laughs> Very good. Do you uh, make anything with your milk? Or do you sell it all as um, raw milk? The majority of it goes to raw milk to our share members. Um, for our own use as a family, I do make yogurt and um, I, make, I make a lot of butter. I do um, offer some butter through the um, heart share for members to, to um, you know, get raw, raw butter that way. I most of the time can barely keep up with the demand, but I only do that when I have like extra, which is mostly in the summer months when production is higher. Oh, yes. And when you're you bring your cows into milk do you give them additional grain in addition to their grass i do give them some grain i mean i have not been able to um you know keep them on a grass only for their body condition you know even if they are um only being milked once a day they'd keep body condition considerably better than they did on twice a day but i still give them some grain in varying amounts just according to the individual cow and her production and her body condition is that a question you ever have from your customers if they're totally grass-based or if you're grassed and green? I have had that question. I mean, for some people, I guess it is important that they um, be 100% grass-fed, which I uh, do not. I mean, I cannot um, say that I have right. ever achieved that. Um, I think it's great for people who can pull it off, but um, in my case, I feel like the jerseys usually need some grain to keep them at a healthy body condition when they're milking. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if the New Zealand genetics will make any difference since they have a really, you know, the good body capacity. They're like built for loading up on a lot of grass. So maybe yeah. they'll be, you know, a better shot at going grain free. But for most of the people who ask the question, um, when I explain to them my reasons for feeding grain, it's not to have higher production so much. It's more for their body condition. That um, seems to be fine with most people. Which makes sense. And I think a lot of people concerned about the animal welfare aspect of it and then as natural as right. possible. Yes. Right. And I totally I mean, I totally have them on pasture every day, you know, they don't they don't get locked up or you know, unless we're having a terrible flood or something. Oh, but yes. um they stay out on pasture all year long and they have their hay in the winter too. So they they have a very natural um, as far as that goes, but not entirely where I would call it grain free. Do you milk year-round or are you seasonal? Yes, we do milk year-round um, simply because um, I guess that's, I mean, a lot of people want milk year-round. So. <laughs> yes. so yes, we, we milk year-round. We usually have calves year-round too. This year, this year we're not having winter calves. So I'm just now drawing off a couple for spring calves. But um, yeah, so it's, it's all year. <laughs> no break there. <laughs> oh, yes. Now for your 
your cows during winter, do you stockpile forages for them? We do, mostly with the beef cows. I mean, I can yeah. honestly say with the beef herd, and there's probably 20 or so, 20, 25 beef cows, We, I can count probably on my two hands the, ba- the hay bales. So we even fed all winter oh, yes. to the beef cows because we, st- we stockpile them. We rotate them and um, you know move them around. I mean, the, the way this valley is, we sometimes have to load them up with a trailer to move them to a different you know p- uh, piece of pasture. But my hus- the beef cows are more my husband's thing, so um, oh, he yes. can load them up and move them, and we can get get by with very little um, feeding, very little hay to the beef cows. The dairy cows um, is different. I mean, they have to stay close by where I can milk them. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make I couldn't move them away, you know, too far anyway. But we do let them graze all winter as much as they can. They just cannot work that hard for their grass, so they sure. have to have plenty of hay too. Uh, and I wasn't sure if stockpiled forages would have enough energy and protein for milking cows. Well, right. No, I, I would say it would have to be a very, um, maybe a dual purpose cow, you know, oh, or yes. a producing cow. That's that, that might work for them. But for the jerseys, I do not think they could do that without getting hay too. I mean, for the beef cows, it's worked great. I mean, our, our beef herd is like, they fat. I mean, they look like walruses oh, yes. <laughs> from just, from just eating grass, <laughs> you know, good. and like I said, barely any hay. So it's definitely working great for them, but I don't imagine I could do it with the jerseys. What kind of beef cows do you all have? Um, most of the herds a mixture of Angus and Gelpfie. Uh The red Gelpies, a couple of red Gelpies, mostly black Gelpies, or just a mixture of the two breeds. Oh, yes. Why did you all choose those breeds? Well, I guess as far as um, choosing them i didn't particularly know what we wanted when we first bought beef cows i knew what i didn't want <laughs> um, my, my brother had some sterilized and i'm like no way <laughs> but um <laughs> yes. we uh we um i guess some of the neighbors um, we had a next door neighbor who had some really nice gelpie cows and some registered cows and and um, we were like you know we need to get some of those genetics and angus in general is a good breed to have they're a little bit smaller than the gelpie so um, having the mixture between the two seemed to make sense. And um, so, I mean, they're just commercial cows. Eventually, I'd like to do registered genetics, too, but that's in the future. But these are just, you know, commercial, commercial beef cows, and, and they've worked out great. Very nice. Now, we kind of, earlier, we, we skimmed over it just a little bit, and I take full fault for that. Have you always been grass-based, or did you work that way? I guess it's been a work in progress. I mean, um, just having one cow for years, many years ago, I mean, you know, 20 years ago, I just milked one cow. I didn't really, I wasn't really, you know, paying much attention to the pasture or anything like that. But um, we've always been grass-based, um, never had any, you know, like feeding lots or contained, you know, cows contained or anything like that. Oh, yes. Um, and the beef cows, we've never fed grain to them. So um, unless, you know, you want to pen them up or catch them or something. But um, for the, right. as far as grass-based, I guess it's been an ongoing learning process about learning how to manage the pastures. Some years ago, we um, had a lot of sheep at one point, um, probably 200 head, and it um we i had going into it we had no idea just how much grass that would require so um i guess having you know seeing them overgrazed pastures was a learning was a lot of lesson to that and then you know trying to recover the pasture afterwards um i guess that was basically for me anyway um that's how I learned to pay attention to the pasture and the effects that it has on the animals. And as we um, kind of got out of the sheep, and we still have some sheep, but not nearly as many, 
Um, I, I, I got more cows at the time and started focusing on, you know, improving the pasture. And then I could see how that would, you know, affect the cows and their milk production. So it's been a, it's been a long time coming and a lot of learning. <laughs> the learning is never ending. Right. Now that is the truth. I, I, it's like, I don't think I'll ever learn everything there is to be learned. <laughs> it's definitely <Yes>. ongoing. <laughs> you mentioned you still have some sheep? We do, um, just like a dozen or so. Um, they just recently had oh, some yes. lambs, so um, we mostly just raise them for some lamb for our family to, you know, to enjoy. But um, yeah, there we have a separate paddocks, a couple of separate paddocks for them, since you cannot keep sheep in with a single strand barbed wire. <laughs> they will go wherever they want. So we <laughs> we have a couple fence, um, like you know, like a net fence for the sheep, so that they they, they keep they stay oh, separately. Yes. What breed of sheep do you have? Um, they are a mixture of Katahdin and Dorper. Um, some years ago, we oh, okay. um, had some bought some Katahdin ewes and a registered Dorper ram, and these are just like the descendants from the originals. <laughs> so they're a mixture. You like the mix pretty good. Um, yes, as far as the sheep goes, I think um, the reason we chose to mix them up like that, um, the Katahdins tend to have big frames, grow faster. Um, but they don't have that much like meat, you know, the, the Dorpers are shorter, right. maybe slower growing, but they have like a lot of meat. I mean, that first ram that we had, he must have weighed 150 or more pounds, just, you know, a bit short, but solid, like super meat. And, uh, oh, yes. so the mixing, mixing the two together seemed to be a good balance as a faster growing, but not altogether just frame. Oh, yes. I've, I have some Contadin use that I've thought about getting a Dorper ram for. Yeah, okay. I may try it in the future. Sure. No, it's worked. It's worked pretty well for us. We're we're happy with that. I definitely like the mixtures better than I like the straight Katahdins. Oh yes. yes. What have been some challenges you face being grass based? Well, I guess for me, um, you know, um, depending on the season. Some years we flood. Some years it's dry drought. You know, it's dry and. And then if we do put up hay for the dairy cows, um, you know, that's finding high quality hay has been a, has been a challenge in my area. I mean, we have a lot of beef cows in the area, but there's like no dairies. So oh, yes. um, finding hay that's good enough for a dairy cow has been a challenge. And uh, like I said, now that we have more, more acreage, um, I think we can be, you know, a little less concerned if we do get drought. But eventually if we, if it was to be dry, which it's not very often, we haven't had a drought in a few years, but if we do, we, you know, we would have to pull the cows off so that it wouldn't, you know, end up overgrazing. And do you, do you feed alfalfa hay or do you buy just um, not, not really. I mean, I, I totally would feed alfalfas if I could get a hold of it, but it's really hard to come by and really expensive in our area. We're very rural, and like I said, oh, you yes. know, virtually no dairy cows here. So I have, an, um, you know, I have sought out a couple local people with the best quality hay that I can find, which it's not alfalfa, but it's mostly a mixture of probably fescue orchard and clover, and I try to get oh, the best okay. second, second, second cutting hay that I can, you know, can get my hands on. Oh yes. For now, we, we want to take a deep dive into one of your practices, and, and one thing you had mentioned was your herd share program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, uh, basically, um, I started out with just milking one cow, you know, 20-something years ago, but um, 
several years ago, I guess it's coming on eight, seven now, um, you know, local people had some interest in milk and uh, that's when I started to set up the, the herd share. It's just first starting out with a couple cows and uh, um, it's slowly added up to that, you know, keeping the heifer calves and then occasionally adding a cow. Um, so we, we've definitely um, expanded a little and built a nicer milk room when we moved to this farm and um, you know, as, a, as I could afford it, I would, you know, add some nicer equipment and uh, got a small bulk tank to keep the milk, you know, to chill it down fast um, so I wouldn't have to bother oh, with yes. all the ice water to keep, you know, to get it cold. And so we've we've gradually built up. Um, since we live in a very rural area, um, I do deliveries. Um, we have people come into the farm, too, every week for picking up their milk, but it's um, oh, it's yes. way out i mean it's in the boondocks <laughs> so i do i do deliveries um you know in a couple just in our little town once a week and then um about an hour out to a bigger town once a week and that's probably more than 50 percent of where our milk um well i'd say at one at the bigger town with more than 50 percent of milk oh, goes yes. to there and when a customer purchases a cow share how does that work well um our farm is set up uh by the or our cow share agreement um is set up by the farm to consumer legal defense fund i'm sure you know who they are um as per state laws um being in tennessee um it is legal to have to, to sell cow shares and to you know get raw milk that way so they sign the cow share. I guess they can decide, you know, if they want to own a ear <laughs> yes. or a foot of the cow, or, you know, <laughs> or whatever. So they they buy into the herd that way, and then they can um, they pick up their milk weekly, either either at the farm or at a pickup um, drop where I bring the milk every week. Uh, we do half gallon jars, the glass mason jars. So we just exchange jars. They bring the empty ones, and they get the full oh, very ones good. at every drop off. Where do you? see your farm going in the next few years well i guess um i i hope to keep doing what i'm doing i mean it's it's a lot of work <laughs> i'm not going to deny that but i enjoy it i mean i've like i said i've, I've always loved the jersey cows for a long a long long time and so i hope that we can keep doing that um it's i don't i have no plans for going any m- much bigger than i am um i mean i'm set up to expand a little bit maybe but i don't want to go huge I uh, just, I mean, it's mostly me doing the dairy work. I have a couple of my kids helping me, but my husband works out of state sometimes for weeks at a time. So I don't have, you know, like a lot of help. So I'd rather not, you know, go too big and then not be able to handle it properly. So uh, as far as the dairy goes, I hope to keep it basically where it is um, in the next following years. And um, on the sideline, I'm trying to work on oh, bringing yes. some nice quality registered cows, you know, so that I can have some value in the offspring as well. If I sell heifers, I've sold a lot of bull calves for people who, um, you know, are looking for breeding bulls. Right. Um, they mostly look for A2 or registered. So I've sold a lot of bull calves that way. So I, I guess as far as the dairy, I hope that it stays, you know, doing what we're doing at this point. Um, the beef cows, um, we've mostly eaten them, you know, ourselves, but sold some here and there for grass-fed beef. And this year we've sold um, significantly more grass-fed beef than ever before. Oh, so yes. that is hopefully what we want to do with most of our um, beef herd, too. Right? You just mentioned about uh, your future growth for your dairy and you like where you are. How many cows do you milk typically? Um, we're currently milking eight cows, which is very micro okay. style. 
I mean, yes. uh, to me, that's a comfortable amount, you know, for the setup we have. I don't have like a pit dairy or anything where I can milk multiple cows at a time. I'm just milking one cow at a time. So it's eight cows and we're raising a couple heifers. So, um, you know, occasionally I sell a cow if I, you know, um, have, I don't, I don't want to, you know, too many at this point. It's just the amount of milk oh, I yes. can handle, at, at, you know, pretty easily. So right. we'll probably keep it there, maybe go up one or two, but I'm not looking to go much bigger with the dairy cows. So you have one milking machine and a stanchion, yes. or are you hand milking? No, we, we have a milk machine. I did okay. hand milk for a lot of years, but <laughs> my hands couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> but um, no, we have a milk machine and, a, and a, just a head gate where the cows, you know, we let them out. They know where they're going, so they come oh, in yes. for their treat, and, and we milk them one at a time and just... Uh, pour the milk into a, a, a small bulk tank. So oh, that, yes. that's, that's that way it's easy enough to, to do it. One time, I think I was in high school, um, we had a cow go down on ice. So we were we were really babying her till she got those back legs stable. So we right. didn't put her on concrete, but she was in milk. So I hand milked her for like six weeks and thought, oh, never again. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Now that that I did milk hand milk for fifteen years, so oh, wow. um, it was mostly it was mostly one cow, but then later it was three cows, and I my hands just couldn't do it anymore. My husband's like, you're gonna have to buy a machine. You're gonna ruin your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, so uh, so we got I, I finally bought a nice enough um, Delaval style bucket milker so that that's so much faster <laughs> oh yes very good right now we've reached the portion of our podcast where we do our famous four questions they're the same four questions we ask of all of our guests our first question is what is your favorite grazing grass related book or resource well i guess i've um read through some here and there i mean at this point in my life i don't have a lot of time for reading a lot of books <laughs> um but um i think probably um i like the um some online resources like you know the state university um websites it's for learning about grasses and types oh, that yes. you know actually grow here which is applicable to my state not just ran random information <laughs> right um, um i guess the kick the hay habit is one book i page through at one point um but i guess um yeah well probably mostly internet resources and then just the everyday paying attention and looking at the grass <laughs> seeing what oh, works yes. and what doesn't for us right experience and observation right yes definitely what tool could you not live without on your farm oh my probably a lot of those given that it's a dairy <laughs> <laughs> yes um yes. well i mean aside from the whole dairy thing you know having the machine milk machine a backup generator and all that for you know making that work but as far yes. as just a farm in general probably one of my favorite um tools is our, the tractor we have a tractor and we start out with a small tractor which hardly could lift a round bale oh yeah <laughs> we worked with that for a lot of years it worked but it was it was not really meant for what we were using it but we finally were able to buy a bigger tractor and um you know, for just um, moving hay bales, but, you know, for maintaining pastures, it's like been a, um, it's been really great to, you know, put a bush hog the pastures for weed management and, you know, just, uh, um, yeah, it's, the it, tractor's been really great. I, I could definitely not want to do this without the tractor. <laughs> oh, yes. Very good. Our third question is, what would you tell someone just getting started out on this grass journey? I would suggest they start out small. Yes, start small and just um, just have the animals that you have the land for. 
Um, because like I say, we had a lot of sheep and they would have twins and triplets. The next thing we knew we had a lot of sheep <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, yes. not, and not enough land, you know, not enough pasture for that. So, um, I would suggest people start small, especially if it's a dairy cow. Most people going in oh, don't yes. realize, don't realize quite the amount of work that it takes. <laughs> so I would suggest start small, you know, um, start small, keep only the animals that you actually have more than enough grass for. So, I mean, oh, for me yes. now that we have a lot more pasture than we ever had in the past, it's been so refreshing to not have to worry about not enough grass. So that's, oh, that's yes. what I would probably, that's probably what I would tell someone. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Where can others find out more about you? Um, well, I guess I'm not really high tech, <laughs> but I, I do have a Facebook page. Um, we do have a Facebook page. That's probably about it as far as um, anything goes. I, I, I did have a, a website at one point. I think I let it expire, which I need to, I'm working on getting that put back together. But at this point, it's probably just a Facebook page and it goes by our farm name, Zebulon Heritage Farm. Okay. And we'll put a link to it in our show notes. Sure. Renell? We appreciate you coming on the podcast today and sharing about what you're doing. Well, thank you for having me. This was definitely something new, but I enjoyed I enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I was excited to talk to an, another grass-based dairy farmer. There's so many ways for us to harvest and utilize our grass, and I think it's important that this podcast tries to highlight different ways. And in that thought pattern, if you're interested in being on the podcast, go to our website at grazinggrass.com and fill out our Be Our Guests form. And we'll be in contact and see if we can get you on the podcast to talk about your grass journey and what you're doing on your farm. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers learn from grass farmers. And as always, we appreciate you listening and encourage you to share this episode with someone who might find it valuable. Also, leave a comment, review, any or all of the above. And as always, keep on grazing. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know I did. Thank you for listening, and if you found something useful, please share it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends. Get the word out about the podcast. Helps us grow. If you happen to be a grass farmer and you'd like to share about your journey, go to grazinggrass.com and click on Be Our Guest. Fill out the form, and I'll be in touch. We appreciate your support by sharing our episodes and telling your friends about it. You can also support our show by buying our merch. We get a little bit back from that. Another way to support the show is by becoming a Grazing Grass Insider. Grazing Grass Insiders enjoy bonus content, monthly Zooms, and discounts. You can visit the website, grazinggrass.com, click on support, and they'll have the links there. Also, if you haven't left us a review, please do. It really helps us as people are searching for podcasts. And I was just checking them, and we do not have very many reviews for 2024. So if you haven't left us a review, please do. And until next time, keep on grazing grass. <laughs>